Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Villander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. My name is David Law. I'm joined by Catherine Whittaker. I'm in Great Britain. Catherine Whittaker is in. Where are you, Catherine? I am in Fair Montreal, uh, about five hours uh, time difference behind you, so uh, a slightly more uh, agreeable hour of the day than it is for you. It is a bit, isn't it? And we uh, we speak on a pretty momentous evening because Andy Murray, just an hour or so ago, uh, defeated Novak Djokovic for the first time in more than two years and after eight times of trying and not being able to get over the finishing line. So it's a it's a pretty big day, Catherine. Yeah, I think it's huge. Actually, I really, I really think that this is of massive significance in the year and the career even of Andy Murray. It was getting to the stage where there have been several matches where it looked like he really ought to have beaten Djokovic, perhaps even in, in that French Open semi-final and didn't. Uh, and he had to feel like he needed to take one of the uh, one of the chances to beat Djokovic pretty soon. And it came today and he boy did he take it. He, uh, he did not let that match slip from his grasp. He said in the press conference just now that he really could He says he felt very easily it could have slipped away from him like it did in the Australian Open final. And uh, he fought so hard to make sure that that didn't happen and uh, it's paid off for him. Well, we're going to be hearing from Andy Murray very soon on this edition of the Tennis Podcast because Catherine has done an exclusive interview with Andy Murray. You've been covering the tournament throughout there in Montreal. You mentioned there that, that he said it could have slipped away and... I think one of the big things is this match was very similar to all of those other seven or eight. I mean, some of them he lost quite straightforwardly, but most of them were were battles, weren't they? The, The one big difference, of course, was the fact that he won the first set in this one and he didn't win the first set in any of those. But in terms of the 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 makeup and the feel of the match, there were there were numerous 10 minute games, weren't there? And and there was always that feeling oh here we go again Djokovic is just going to make this into a mental battle and Andy Murray eventually is going to to wilt absolutely their matches seem always to pivot on those extraordinary 10 minute games and uh, indeed the same was the case today it did pivot on those games the difference was Andy Murray by and large won them I think when uh, when Murray referenced the fact that the match could have slipped away from him I think perhaps he was talking about the uh, 4-2 game in that final set when uh, Novak Djokovic I think had 
five break points, I believe it was, uh, to break back and get on, on level terms. And you'd have to think if he had done that and got the momentum shift back in his direction, that's when Novak Djokovic accelerates to the finish line. So uh, those five points, for me, I think were crucial. And uh, from what Andy was just saying in press as well, I think he thinks they were crucial. I've had a few weeks off, Catherine, so I've been keeping my head down while you've been doing all the hard work over there. But as you might have seen, I became quite active on Twitter today. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd got about three weeks worth pent up that I just had to get out of the system. Uh, but watching that match today, it occurred to me, especially when they showed uh, Jonas Bjorkman quite a lot, and we've obviously had a, quite a bit of time with Jonas Bjorkman at Queen's. He, he was there throughout. I spoke to him a number of times at Wimbledon. He's just a really jolly fellow, a really positive character. And, and it occurred to me that even as stressed as, as Andy Murray gets, understandably, really, in those situations against Novak Djokovic, Jonas Bjorkman is a really good man, a good person to have around, in, just in terms of his general demeanour. Yeah, and I think I think you're probably right that that is showing in Andy Murray's game that stressed is a good word. He did seem less stressed in the difficult moments. He seemed less stressed when things weren't going his way. Yes, it helped that he was he was winning the majority of the difficult moments, but in in those moments when it didn't go his way, losing that losing that second set, I think uh, he maintained a level head very well because uh, Andy Murray has classically not always done that and and as he keeps saying you know wandering concentration has been to blame uh, loss of focus has been to blame for a number of losses over Djokovic over the past few years so uh, beating himself up less could be a big key to uh, Andy Murray's game and if uh, Jonas Bjorkman can bring a touch of that then uh, he's worth every penny of whatever Murray's paying him. Did, uh, did uh, Novak Djokovic have anything to say about his elbow? Because throughout that third set, he was shaking that arm quite a lot. And we've heard quite a bit about that. I was, really, I was actually really pleased he didn't take any sort of medical time out. I mean, he just went toe-to-toe with Murray. And he actually, I thought, played a pretty decent match. So it makes the win for Murray all the more valuable and, and, and impressive as far as I'm concerned. But, but did he give any indication of how he was feeling? He he did say that the uh, the elbow was troubling him in the third set today. He said uh, he said serve was what made the difference. Mostly um, with respect to Murray, he said Murray's serve was uh, the best it's ever been against him today. I oh, asked wow. I asked him whether. Uh, there was anything different, anything better about the Andy Murray he faced today than the Andy Murray he faced the last eight times he played him and won. And he said, yes, the serve and yes, the aggression. Uh, but then he did also mention the fact that in the third set there, he was struggling to serve properly himself. He did that classic tennis player thing. He's not the only one that's guilty of it, of saying, yes, I did did have a bit of a, a health issue, but not to take anything away from my opponent. But uh, <laughs> he was generally, generally very magnanimous in defeat and said, absolutely, Murray was the better player and deserved to win I don't think he's too worried or if he is if he is worried he's certainly playing it down he doesn't want want to let on but I don't think he's too worried long term about the elbow no okay I'll tell you what let's hear from Andy Murray Andy many congratulations on the title here a first win over Novak since Wimbledon 2013 how big is this for you yeah I mean it's 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 obviously an important win I mean these these events aren't easy um easy to win um 
you know, so to to come through against you know th- three you know top players in a row, Songa, Nishikori, and obviously Novak, and the way that the match went today, it was obviously a big one to to get through. It was extremely tough conditions, um, a lot of ups and downs in the match. We both had a bunch of chances, and after losing a, a number of match points, to stay strong there at the end and, and finish it well was good. How much had it been preying on your mind that you hadn't beaten Novak since Wimbledon 2013? Does it feel like a weight is lifted? Um, no, not really. I think, you know, I don't give as much thought to that as maybe, you know, ev- everyone else was. I think, you know, last year's results, I I didn't win against any of the top players. My game wasn't there physically. I, was, I wasn't quite there yet, having come back from the the back surgery, you know, but the matches that we played this year, you know, the ones that I was really kind of, you know, looking at and I felt like I had some opportunities there and, you know, was playing well enough to win, but, you know, Novak's an incredibly difficult guy to beat, so there's no disgrace in, in losing to, to him, but, you know, today was obviously, you know, it's nice anytime you beat the number one player in the world and, you know, someone as good as Novak, it's, it's good for the confidence and hopefully I can use that to my advantage in the next couple of weeks. You're back to number two in the world. When I spoke to you yesterday, you said you were pleased with that, but your sights are set one place higher. Does the victory over the current world number one today make you believe that that, that is definitely possible? Um, yeah, I just I know it's an incredibly tough. I think you know the points I've accumulated this year, and sometimes would be enough to to get to number one in the world at a at a different at a different time. Um, whereas just now, I'm still almost you know 6,000 points or something behind Novak I mean you know the consistency that, that he's shown over the last couple of years has been phenomenal and before that you know Roger and Rafa was was exceptional and you know I'm I'm trying um, I'm trying my best but you know I'll just keep keep doing that but uh, I think I, I I still feel like I have another good few years left left in me um Hopefully, I can stay stay healthy, and I'll, I'll give it my best my best shot. And just finally, you've had Jonas Bjorkman here with you this week. The effect he's had on you has been very clear. But uh, your other coach, Emily Marisma, you dedicated the winter on the court. I believe she's had an even more exciting day than you today. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, we woke up uh, this morning to the news that yeah, she'd given birth to baby boy, um, and yeah. It's obviously fantastic, uh, fantastic news. Whole team and everyone's very, very pleased for for her. Um, I haven't spoken to her um, yet, but hopefully in the next few days, when you know she's feeling a, a little bit uh, fresher and a little bit better, then we'll, we'll we'll chat. But yeah, you know, it was yeah nice that obviously she gave birth today, and I was able to to win against Novak for the first time in a while. So it was good. Had you been speaking to her in in the lead up to today? Had she played a part in in your week this week? No, I hadn't heard from her for the last couple of days, so I'd kind of assumed that she was in in the hospital because um, I'd messaged her a couple of times and hadn't heard back. So she was either blanking me or uh, <laughs> yeah, she was preparing to give uh, to give birth. So um, I hadn't I haven't spoken to her much over the last five or six days. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll chat in, in the next week or so. That's pretty good as excuses yeah. go. Congratulations, Andy. Thank you. 
So Andy Murray there talking uh, and referencing Amelie Moresmo, and it really was a, a bolt from the blue for us all, wasn't it, during the presentation to hear uh, from him that uh, that Amelie Moresmo had given birth to a, to a baby boy this morning. Congratulations to her. Um, and, uh, yeah, a huge moment for, for her, but the in- impact she has had on, on him, I think both as, as a coach and personally have been pretty significant over the last year or so. Now, meanwhile, over in Toronto, of course, they played the uh, the two tournaments at the same time, but in different cities, the WTA and the ATP, and then they uh, they alternate them after a year, and uh, the men will go to Toronto next year, and the women will come to Montreal. And what a performance, what a runner performance is from Belinda Bencic. I know that your concentration, Catherine, has obviously been on the men's tournament there in Montreal. That's what you've been covering. But, but I've been paying particular attention to the women's event, particularly given that uh, next week I'm going to be commentating for BT Sports on the Cincinnati tournament of the, for the WTA uh, side of things. Um, but Belinda Bencic, this was her run to the title. Eugenie Bouchard, Caroline Wozniacki, Sabina Lezicki, Anna Ivanovic, Serena Williams, and Simona Halep. That is six consecutive Grand Slam finalists stroke champion. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. It's, it's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I'm not sure there's ever been a run to a title like that. And I'll tell you who will be uh, pleased to see uh, what Belinda Bencic has done this week. And that's Jeannie Bouchard, because uh, her winning, Bencic winning the title puts a slightly different complexion on Jeannie Bouchard's first round loss uh, to her, which seems like an age ago, doesn't it? Because it certainly sent ripples 
uh, around the press room here in Montreal as well, I'm sure, is in Toronto. But, I mean, what can you say about Belinda Bencic? She was utterly extraordinary. I mean, the match of the tournament was obviously that one against Serena yesterday. How she managed to close that out, I don't know. Uh, it had echoes of the Heather Watson match at Wimbledon, didn't it? It was uh, utterly extraordinary, about as dramatic as tennis as tennis can get and I just can't praise this 19 year old enough and I think we should say 19 uh, just one more time because she's uh, she's she's something special and I think she's actually something a bit more special than people realized she was going to be I think when people saw her as a junior and saw her first breaking onto the scene is people thought yeah she's a good player maybe uh, maybe top 20 but uh, I think she's already exceeding a lot of expectations I would certainly include myself amongst those numbers because when I heard about her as a junior, I was I was very excited to see her because she had had a lot of hype, um, and I have to say I was slightly underwhelmed when I saw her play, uh, and and I saw her a few times earlier this year. She had some quite quite heavy defeats, and I I just thought she was a really solid player, good mover, um, good counter puncher but lacking a killer shot. And I just thought there was a natural ceiling to her potential. But watching her the last couple of weeks, and it's, it's been brewing this for a few weeks, it's the way that she neutralizes players with great power. And she just turns it on them. And and, and she, she put it all together this week. She played all the big hitters, Lizicki, Ivanovic, Williams. And then she lived with the great baseliners as well. And, and out halloped Halep today. I mean, I know Simona Halep was uh, was injured as well, but still, or rather, uh, suffering because of the heat. But the, I, I have huge respect for her. There was also I don't know whether you saw it. There was a, a, a lovely moment when she was in the presentation and she was told uh, how much she could get if she were to win the U.S. Open series over a million dollars, and her face just the sudden realization of how much money could potentially be on the line was just a picture her drawer jaw almost hit the floor oh that's ever so i didn't see that that sounds really really sweet i'm sure that's a gif waiting to happen on twitter oh yeah get out there catherine on twitter and you shall see that uh, that exact video i'm, I'm so um, behind the times no i mean that's wonderful to see isn't it? it's wonderful to see somebody so surprised by their own by their own success and uh, I think she'll have a heck of a job backing that up next week you know and, and that's why it's it's so tough isn't it going straight to Cincinnati and and and, a, and the thing is because she's won this tournament she's had a great jump in the rankings she plays in the first round against Angelique Kerber who's 11 in the world yeah that so 11 in the world plays 12 in the world frankly that's that's pretty hideous for her and uh, I mean <laughs> I, all I had to do was sit and talk in, in the heat uh, of Montreal today, which I believe was quite similar to the heat in Toronto. And I feel pretty exhausted. I feel like I'm running on empty. So uh, if I'd played uh, an exhausting tennis match as well, I don't think I'd be uh, wanting to go out and play Angelique Kerber uh, tomorrow or Tuesday. No, so uh, no, I, th I, I think the best the best thing that any of us can do is uh, eliminate all expectations from the shoulders of Belinda Bencic because she, she's done it she, she, she's she's far exceeded all of them already whatever she does in Cincinnati next week talking of uh, elbows and injuries and that kind of thing Serena Williams looked pretty good for most of her match against Belinda Bencic but ultimately lost it it was only the second loss of the year for her 
I wonder how she's doing physically and I also wonder maybe more how she's doing emotionally because this is becoming day by day a bigger weight on her isn't it the fact that she is wrestling against history now she is one grand slam away from the calendar year slam and she didn't want to talk about it all the way through the the Wimbledon title that she won and it's in view now isn't it, it it's going to be a big deal this just playing against herself almost yeah I mean it's already a big deal isn't it it was a big deal by Wimbledon so in two weeks time when when the tennis tour actually arrives in New York I, I can't quite imagine how gargantuan a deal it's actually going to be I do think if there's anybody that can deal with that it's Serena Williams it's obviously not going to be helped if she's got physical problems by any means is certainly not if those physical problems affect her serve I'd say that's almost catastrophic for Serena if her serve is effective that's uh, so by far and away her biggest weapon not that her other weapons aren't enormous too but without the serve she's she's beatable against uh, a number of players on the tour I think the likes of Azarenka I think would uh, would have a hugely increased shot of beating her without that serve so uh, next week's going to be interesting and uh, certainly New York is going to be super interesting. Sure is. Now, Catherine, a few nights ago you would have been merrily going about your business in Montreal reporting on the matches for radio stations all around the world of which several will be Australian and I imagine at, at a certain point when Nick Kyrgios decided to open his mouth and utter a few words in the direction of his opponent Stan Wawrinka and start referencing uh, other tennis players and, and uh, personal relationships, I imagine uh, your job rather changed in its tone because suddenly you had a major controversy on your hands. Yes, it sort of happened all of a sudden, and I think I, I saw I didn't actually see it happen on the court because up in the press room we don't pick up the courtside microphones. It was only on on the TV that that was picked up. So it was actually Twitter that that broke the news to me and to everyone else in the press room. Uh, and uh, of course, I thought, oh, that's that's pretty horrendous. That's crossing a line. But still, I hadn't gone through the sort of mental machinations of, of figuring out repercussions, how big it would go, all of that. And before I had a chance to do all that, suddenly it was this enormous thing. Uh, and I think uh, Vavrinka speaking so plainly about how upset he was and calling for sanctions from the ATP. He certainly had a lot to do with that and you, you absolutely can't blame him for doing so. It was evident uh, just by looking at him how genuinely upset he was. So uh, it, <laughs> let's just say it was an interesting 24 hours, David. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens from here, isn't it? Because the, the player council of the ATP came out strongly urging for further action on top of, uh, of the, the fine that was administered. The WTA have made a statement as well. And uh, I don't think we've heard the last of it. Absolutely not. I mean, the ATP are conducting an inquiry. I believe that inquiry will also have in its scope previous behaviour by Nick, not just this incident. There was also, uh, he got fined the $10,000 for that incident that uh, went around the world, but there was also apparently an incident with a, a, a ball boy who was fined uh, an extra $2,500 for unsportsmanlike conduct in relation to that incident too. And that's just that match. So if they're, they're taking into account other behaviours in other matches as well I mean it, 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 there's a, a certain aspect of it I suppose that's discretionary or at least subjective you know what counts as bringing the sport into into disrepute what counts as unsportsmanlike conduct 
But uh, these are anxious times, I think, for Nick Kyrgios. Very anxious times. Yeah, they are. And I don't know whether you saw as well, uh, last night, uh, Ryan Harrison played a match in qualifying in Cincinnati against Tanasi Kakanakis, who was obviously referenced by Kyrgios as part of that uh, that on-court situation. And that ended up being a a real showdown at the net, uh, particularly in in the handshake at the end where they just didn't let each other go. And the umpire, Mohamed Leani, ended up having to come down from his chair and separate them because... Harrison and uh, and Kakanakis were were just were not too far away from from physical confrontation that could have got a whole lot more serious. Um, uh, I have to say, I mean, as I've said many times on the tennis podcast, I personally like aggro on court. I don't mind it whatsoever in terms of them having a row. I I don't want people to have a punch up necessarily and hurt each other, but but I certainly don't mind a bit of confrontation. Uh, I do think Kyrgios uh, took it to another level that that was just just really unpalatable. Um, But uh, but I I hope that that will be a lesson learned in the long run for him. And that's the last that we, we hear of that kind of thing on that scale. But Personally, Kokonakis and Harrison, I found that quite entertaining. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel for Tanasi Kokonakis a bit because I feel like he's dr- being dragged into all this drama sort of a little bit against his will. His name was taken in vain by his supposed mate, Nick Kyrgios, earlier this week. I bet he was thinking, thanks very much for that, mate. Uh, and then yesterday, I, I, I mean, as I say, I wasn't watching the match live. I was following events unfolding on, on Twitter and again, my thoughts were, I mean, this doesn't feel like natural behaviour for Kokonakis. He's actually, for all his sort of flair, and uh, he's, I mean, he's an example of somebody that has a personality without without crossing the line, without uh, being unsportsmanlike ever, I don't think, in, in my memory. So uh, I was surprised to see him get drawn into that. But maybe, you know, he's probably had a, quite a tough week and, and tempers might be a bit frayed in the Kokonakis camp. Yeah, and I think uh, that Harrison seemed particularly wound up about the whole thing himself, and and it, I don't think it takes a, a huge amount for Harrison to to get uh, aerated about situations, and and there he went. Uh, well, Catherine, I'm going to leave you to it because you've got about 150 reports to file uh, to various radio stations around the world about Andy Murray's victory over Novak Djokovic tonight, haven't you? Yeah, how how terrible for me that I have to spend the rest of my evening talking about tennis. Woe is me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us on the Tennis Podcast tonight, uh, Catherine. You're off to Cincinnati tomorrow morning. You've got to do this all over again for another week. I am. A 6 a.m. flight. Now, that I, that that one I can complain about. Yeah, you kind of... Uh, but but this is... Let me, let me get this right. Isn't this your fifth consecutive Masters 1000 event? You went to Monte Carlo, Rome... Um, Madrid, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ne- never, he... never miss a moment. Goodness me, Catherine Whitaker, travelling the world. And joining us here on the Tennis Podcast, as you have as well, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.